This is an audio sermon recorded at Highway 71 Church of Christ in Alma, Arkansas. We are Christians seeking to worship God in spirit and in truth. We would love for you to worship with us at 1030 on Sunday mornings at 1808 Highway 71 North in Alma, Arkansas. Well, it's good to be with you this morning. Beautiful day outside. Um, it's just a, a blessed day. and I appreciate the, the singing that uh, definitely helps us helps get our minds and hearts focused on the Lord and what He's done for each of us. And so thank you, Kit, for that song. So, um, in, in thinking of a topic to share, and kind of what's been on my heart, and, um, I think you all know that uh, I'm on the board of the Pregnancy Center in Fort Smith. And... Um, you know, we, we focus on saving lives there. We have a wonderful staff. Just recently we had a board uh, dinner, so we were out together and just being with the other board members and the, our executive director. It's just very encouraging the work that has been done this year. I know you all have been a part of that. Uh, the success of those saved spiritually, uh, those physically saved. Um, you know, we put a calendar out. We got this calendar, and I'll, I'll post it on the board. But there's a, it's a calendar with pictures of, you can't probably see it from here, uh, but it's just pictures of the babies that um, are of the ladies that have come to our center seeking help. So it's a beautiful thing. I mean, you just, you think of these babies and you look at that baby and, you, you, you know, as a board member, I hear a lot of the situations, the drama, the... This, you know, just sometimes terrible situations that have brought that young lady, that abortion vulnerable lady to our center. And, uh, you know, when you look at these babies, you, you don't see any of that. You just see God's blessing, right? I mean, you just see what God created in the womb. No matter the circumstances that went into the conception, you know, oftentimes abortion vulnerable are, are extremely scared don't know what to do, didn't plan on creating one of these. But nonetheless, God knew. And so, uh, you know, with, with uh, the birth of Christ that we think a lot about this time of year in particular, I just thought it would be interesting to talk about some of the births of those in the Bible. Some of the... Um, some situations that are far from what we would say is ideal. You know, we all probably have our own stories of drama around the birth. You know, ours aren't, you know, Janice and I, ours aren't too crazy. Um, you know, I mean, we, uh, there's a little drama with our first with Zachary, you know, getting ready, you know, Janice saying, oh, my, you know, my water's broken and it's time to rush. And, you know, I'm running around kind of fizzled because it was, you know, 1.30 in the morning. And so I'm trying to get my bearings. And um, so we got him there and the Lord bless us with Zach. Then we moved to Arkansas and had Nate. Nate was to be born on the same day my brother, August 14th. Admitted Janice, started her on Pitocin. And uh, kind of just waiting and nothing. Pretty soon the doctor came back and said, you know what? You're not ready yet. You can go on home. I was like, what? 
You know, we were ready. I was ready to call my brother and say, hey, you know, our son's going to share your birthday. Well, it wasn't to be. You know, it was later in the, five days later, almost a week that we came back, right? And, uh, and had Nate. And there was some excitement and, and drama associated with his birth because his heartbeat started dropping precariously low and he was an emergency C-section. So though that's nothing compared to some of the stories that we're going to talk about today. And, and you may have some of your own stories um, about how your children, um, you know, came to be. And, uh, and you know, just they're all... It, it's kind of like, and I'll talk to this later, but, you know, all that happened prior to, it's kind of like, it doesn't matter, does it? They're here with us. And, um, you know, whether they're uh, children you, you birthed or adopted, it, it doesn't matter. It's like all that drama, what, what can we learn from that? And that's what we're going to talk about today, because there is a lot of that in God's Word. And so I thought it was just really interesting and something that we could talk about today. Um, because God, I think, shares these stories to remind us that there is no necessary perfect birth. You know, the couple marries, the couple, you know, waits, you know, has time, has a baby, everything goes fine. It, I don't know that I found any of those in the Bible, you know. Uh, so what is he teaching us you know, I find it fascinating to see someone famous or, or know of someone famous over history um, and, and hear about, well, where did they get started? You know, what was their childhood life? What, you know, who were their parents? You know, it's just really interesting to see, you know, a George Washington or, you know, just amazing people that have done amazing things for the world. What was their start, you know? Uh, it's just very interesting to me, and I think about that. And people that are famous are infamous in, in some accounts. You know, what, what led them to do whatever that was tragic? Um, that's just an interesting thing. So I'm going to talk today about some significant births as recorded in the Bible. These are males. Now, that is traditionally... Um, and historically, you know, the male being uh, carries the family name, the lineage. So that was, even in Bible times, pretty significant. So uh, I'm going to start with uh, looking at some significant ones. And, and the first one I'm going to talk about is Cain. Cain was the first male born of the first people God created. He was the very first male born from the people that God created. He was the son of Adam and Eve. Genesis 4.1 captures this, and I'm going to share that just to kind of refresh our memories on how this took place. It says, Now Adam had relations with his wife Eve and conceived and gave birth to Cain. And she said, I have gotten a man-child with help of the Lord. Again, she gave birth to his brother Abel. And Abel was a keeper of flocks, but Cain was a tiller of the ground. Abel, on his part, also brought, uh, I'm sorry, uh, so it came about in the course of time that Cain brought an offering to the Lord of the fruit of the ground. Abel, on his part, brought the firstlings of his flock and the fat portions, and the Lord had regard for Abel and his offerings. But for Cain and his offerings, he had no regard. doesn't tell us why, just that he has no regard 
So Cain became very angry and his countenance fell. And then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry and why has your countenance fallen? If you do well, you will not, uh, you, you will not, your, will not your countenance be lifted up? And if you do not do well, sin is crouching at the door. And its desire is for you, but you must master it. Cain told his brother Abel, and it came about when they were in the field that Cain rose up against Abel, his brother, and killed him. The Lord said to Cain, Where are, where's your brother? And he said, which is now kind of infamous, uh, I do not know. Am I my brother's keeper? What have you done? The voice of your brother's blood is crying from the, to me from the ground. Now you are cursed from the ground, which has opened its mouth to receive your brother's blood. We know from that story that, you know, Cain was made to leave. He was pushed out. And um, this, of course, all happened after Adam and Eve were pushed out of the Garden of Eden when they conceived Adam or conceived uh, Cain and Abel. So that's a story that tells us of the very first male born of what God created. You know what does what the, does God want us to know from that? The next one I want to talk about is Isaac. Now, Isaac, the story of Isaac and his birth is taken from Genesis 15. When the Lord came to Abraham in a vision telling him that an heir would come forth from his own body and shall be your heir. And took him outside and told Abraham to count the stars. And he said, so shall you be blessed and your descendants be. Then Abraham believed in the Lord and he reckoned to him as righteousness. That was that's significant that that he believed what God told him. And his belief in the Lord that he said, you, look at the stars and you go outside sometimes, you can see just the stars are so bright. He said, that is going to be your descendants after you. And because Abram believed him, that was counted to him as righteousness when we believe what the Lord tells us. Well, the next chapter 16 captures a scandalous story of what took place in Abram's family. To hear stories like this today, you'd think you were watching a soap opera or reading in the paper or something on the news. But it's a pretty scandalous story. What is God teaching us? You know? Kind of messy. We approach Abram and Sarai. Sarai had borne him no children, it tells us in chapter 16. So she suggests to her husband to have children through her maidservant, Hagar. And Abraham listened to the voice of Sarai. As could be anticipated, this did not help family dynamics at all. Right? Can you imagine? Even today, wasn't, I don't think it was any better then, any more acceptable, any easier. Hagar conceived and consequently... Sarah perceived, Sarah perceived that Hagar, Hagar uh, looked at her differently. No longer, perhaps, as a humble maidservant, but 
perhaps something else because she had conceived for Sarah's husband, Abram. Well, Sarah treated her harshly and Hagar fled, it tells us in chapter 16. But God spoke with Hagar and and he said, humble yourself and go back. And so she did. And Hagar bore Abraham a son and they called him Ishmael. And Abram was 86 years old at this time. Well, when Abram was 99, the Lord appeared to Abram. And at this point, he changed his name to Abraham. Meaning, father of many. And he promises Abraham that he will make him extremely, uh, exceedingly fruitful and in the land of Canaan and establish a covenant or circumcision with Abram, Abraham at that time. And he also goes on to tell Abraham, and your wife's name will now be Sarah. And that he will bless her and give her a son. And she will be the mother of nations. Well, Abraham fell on his face and laughed at the news and said, will a child be born of a man 100 years old? Because he's 99 and and God is saying, this is going to happen. This is going to happen. He said, I'm going to be 100 years old. Fell on his face and laughed. And he told that to his wife, Sarah, that she was going to bear uh, a son. And he said, you know, his name is going to be Isaac. Because that's what God told him. And that the Lord would establish an everlasting covenant with him and his descendants after him. Then it goes on in chapter 21, and the Lord took note of Sarah, and he had promised that Sarah conceived at the appointed time. Isaac was born, and Abraham was a hundred years old. And it tells us in Romans 19, he contemplated his own, uh, 4.19, he contemplated his own body, now as good as dead. God had his hand in that. Abraham, Abraham at this point recognized that my body was as good as dead, and Sarah She'd been barren. She's a hundred, you know, almost a hundred. Her womb is is barren. I think that tells us that this is God's plan. This was not meant to bring glory to Abraham. Well, Sarah felt Ishmael was mocking again and requested that Abraham drive out Hagar and her son Ishmael God tells Abraham not to be distressed because this was very distressing to Abraham. And so he listens to Sarah. God said, listen to her. God said, through your son Isaac, your descendants shall be named. So with all that that went on, that Abraham listened to Sarah, had a child through, Ishmael through, Hagar. God said, no. I'm going to bless you, and it will be through your wife, Sarah. And God said, through Isaac, your descendants shall be named. You know, Paul tells us in Galatians chapter 4 that this is an allegory between the bondservant and the free. Kind of those of slavery and the free. He tells us in verse 21 of Galatians 4, Tell me, you who want to be under the law, do you not listen to the law? For it is written that Abraham had two sons, one according to the bondwoman and one according 
to the free woman. But the son by the bondwoman was born according to the flesh. And the son of the, by the free woman, he was born through the promise. This is allegorically speaking, Paul tells us. For these women are two covenants. One, proceeding from Mount Sinai, bearing children who are to be slaves, Paul tells us. She is Hagar. Now this Hagar is Mount Sinai in the Arabia and corresponds to the present Jerusalem. For she is in slavery with her children, but Jerusalem above is free. She is our mother. For it is written, Rejoice, barren woman who does not bear. Break forth and shout, you who, you who are not in labor. For more numerous are the children of the desolate than the one who has a husband. He goes on in 28, And you, brethren, like Isaac, are children of promise. Paul is telling the church of Galatia there. You are children of promise. But as that time he was born according to the flesh, persecuted him who was born according to the Spirit. So it is now. But what does the Scripture say? Cast out the bondwoman and her son. For the son of the bondwoman shall not be an heir with the son of the free woman. So then, brethren, we are not children of the bondwoman, but of the free woman. You know, today we know that Christianity comes through Isaac, the son of promise. Isn't that an interesting story on how all that worked out and how Paul shared that to the church at Galatia and to us today? Hagar represents the law of Mount Sinai. But we are free as Christians. Do you know that Isaac is the only one of the patriarchs whose name did not change? God didn't change Isaac's name. He told him, Isaac will be your son. Because God named Isaac. And more than that, God also picked Isaac's wife, Rebecca. And of the patriarchs, only Isaac had just one wife, Rebecca. That's kind of neat, isn't it? Not with Abraham or Abram. Not with Jacob. Israel and more wives, more than one. It's an amazing story of a baby. You know, again, you look at these pictures. We, you know, I like to take pictures. You see our photo album of the church and our children, and as they grow, you're like, wow, what are they going to be when they grow up? You know, it's interesting to think of these stories of birth in the Bible and what that became. Let's go on and talk about Moses. Moses was the only one abandoned. As found in Exodus, about 1546 B.C., the Pharaoh knew that Joseph had died. The Pharaoh that knew Joseph, he died, okay? Because they were in Egypt. And a new Pharaoh came to Egypt, a new king. Well, Jacob's family, who had settled in Egypt, had grown considerably and was threatening, basically, the new king. He was afraid. He thought, man, if we're attacked, these slaves are going to join up with the attackers and take us out. So the king 
the Pharaoh spoke to the midwives, the Hebrew midwives, and said, listen, if it's a son, kill it. Throw it in the Nile. If it's a daughter, she can live because she, can, she will assimilate into the Egyptian culture. We're not the boys. We need to kill them. Well, the midwives, the Hebrew midwives, fortunately feared the Lord and did not do what the king was asking. And they said, of course, well, they just have them so fast, we don't even get there, you know. Well, we learn then in Exodus chapter 3, Amram of Levi married Jochebed of Levi, and she bore a beautiful son. Well, due to Pharaoh's edict, after three months, Jochebed could no longer hide her son. So, she placed him in a wicker basket that she made, or someone made. The Hebrew word for basket is ark, by the way. And put him in the Nile, and Miriam, his sister, Moses' sister, watched. Now we know the story. You know, this is a pretty amazing thing. I mean, this does, wow, this is going on today. How's this happen? Well, I think we just, this week we heard of some baby being dropped off at the Goodwill. Right? Abandoned. Obviously, Jochebed felt like she needed to to save his life. I don't think it was a desire. This was her son. But, God had his hand in this. Put the basket in the water. Along comes Pharaoh's daughter. And she sees this baby. And she pulls him out of the water. Names him Moses, which was to draw out. And along comes Miriam and said, Hey, Miriam, I, hey, I, can, I know somebody. I can find a Hebrew mother to nurse this baby. And so says, Okay, yeah. Well, that worked out for Jochebed because she got to nurse her own son until he was weaned, which is, again, pretty amazing. You know, pretty amazing. Can't make this stuff up, right? Only God can. Moses was raised in a royal Egyptian family, and he noticed the hard labor of his brethren. We know the story. He struck down an Egyptian who was beating another Hebrew, and he hid the body. Well, it wasn't long when he was trying to mediate something that his brethren said, who are you to tell us anything? Are you going to just kill us like you did that Egyptian? Well, that struck fear into Moses. And Pharaoh heard about it and he was coming to kill. So he fled. And he fled to the land of Midian. And Moses married Zipporah, the daughter of Jethro. Now, God heard the groaning and the affliction of the people in Egypt and revealed himself directly to Moses in a burning bush. God called Moses to bring his people out of Egypt. And Moses, with the help of his brother Aaron, successfully brought the people out, freeing them from the slavery of the Egyptians. You know, there were ten plagues, including the final death plague, where the Passover was instituted, we know. It was a beautiful illustration of the redemption of Christ accomplished at Calvary. When we think about the Lord's Supper that we'll take later on, 
how that was the new Passover. It gave the Passover new meaning. God established His covenant with the Israelites at this time. And He gave them the law, the Ten Commandments. The purpose of the law, of course, as we know, was to teach what sin is. That came through Moses. Took them out of slavery, but we're going to learn later that that covenant that God made them was the step of teaching them what sin is. And we know what happened. Who came? And we're going to talk about who came later to help us be free from the sin of slavery. The slavery of sin, I should say. It's just interesting how we're progressing here. Well, there's others, including Samson. I won't get into Samson. I'm going to talk a little bit more, a little bit less about some of these. There was Samson, the son of Manoah, and his barren wife, visited by an angel. In Judges 13, this is captured. And uh, we know that Samson, a lot of drama around Samson, uh, but he, uh, he certainly struggled with passion. Also Samuel, his father uh, Elkanah, who had two wives, Hannah and uh, Peninnah, and who had children, but Hannah was childless. Hannah prayed to God. Eli, the priest, asked God to grant her petition. Remember, Eli saw her praying. He said, what is that you're praying about? Are you drunk? She said, no, I'm not drunk. I'm praying. I'm barren. Eli said, God, he prayed that God would grant her petition. Hannah soon conceived and bore Samuel because I asked him of the Lord. That's what that means. After Samuel was weaned, Hannah dedicated him to the Lord and gave them to Eli the priest. Well, let's fast forward about 400 years between the Old Testament and the New Testament. And we're going to talk about John the Baptist. Let's talk about his birth. Of course, John came for really one purpose. John the Baptist came for one purpose. And that was point the way to Jesus. Point the way to Jesus, who would free all from the slavery of sin. You know, Isaiah and Malachi both spoke of John the Baptist coming. Isaiah 43, 40 verse 3 says, A voice is calling, Clear the way for the Lord in the wilderness. Make smooth in the desert a highway for our God. It's pretty amazing, isn't it? Malachi 4, 5 and 6 says, Behold, I am going to send you Elijah the prophet before the coming of the great and terrible day of the Lord. He will restore the hearts of our fathers to their children and the hearts of the children to their fathers so that I will not come and smite the land with a curse. Now, during the day, the days of King Herod, king of Judea, Zacharias had a wife from two daughters, from the daughters of Aaron, and her name was Elizabeth. Zacharias had Elizabeth, his wife. And they were said to be righteous in the sight of the Lord. But 
like those that we've talked about before, Elizabeth was, Elizabeth was barren. And both of them were advanced in age. I think Janice and I would probably be scared to death if God said, I'm going to give you another child. Right? While during Zacharias' priestly duties at the temple, an angel Gabriel came to him at the altar and fear gripped him. You know, again, another very dramatic uh, story to the birth of John the Baptist. Gabriel said, Do not be afraid. You and your wife's petition has been heard. You will bear a son, and you will name him John. They told him, You're going to name him John. Per Gabriel, you will have joy and gladness, and many will rejoice at his birth, for he will be a great, he will be great in the sight of the Lord. Speaking of John. He will drink no wine or liquor and will be filled with the Holy Spirit, yet even while in Elizabeth's womb. We fill with the Holy Spirit in the womb of Elizabeth, it tells us, that Gabriel said. He will turn away many of sons of Israel back to God. And he will be a forerunner before him in the spirit and power of Elijah to turn the hearers of the turn the hearers of the fathers back to their children so as to make ready a people for the Lord, it tells us. Zacharias asked Gabriel, now, how do I know for certain this is going to happen? Obviously showed some doubt, didn't it? So, how do I know for certain you're not just telling me a, a lie here, you know? Well, that probably didn't go over too well with an angel of the Lord, right? It's like, I'm, you know, he would not be able to speak until the birth of his son. That's pretty amazing. When Zacharias spoke again, it was to proclaim the name of his son, John. If you remember that story, no one understood it. No one understood. Well, why? Why? Because they said, Elizabeth said, his name is going to be John. And uh, they're like, what? His name is Zacharias. That's not what you do. And they gave John, or they gave Zechariah something to write on. He wrote John, and then his mouth was open, and his tongue was uncleft, and he was his name is John, which means God is gracious. I like that. You know, John was named ahead of time, before his birth. God named John. During this time, Gabriel was sent by God to visit a virgin in the city of Galilee called Nazareth. Elizabeth's son, cousin Mary was a virgin and engaged to a man named Joseph. Well, Gabriel visited Mary and greeted her as favored one. The Lord is with you. It's a pretty amazing greeting. Favored one. It's probably like, what? Who, what? favor? He said, you will conceive in your womb and bear a son and you shall name him Jesus. And it will be the power of the Most High and he will overshadow you. And this child will be called the Son of God. He told her how this is going to happen, right? 
because he's like, I, I'm not, I'm not going to conceive, you know. He's like, oh no, you are going to bore God's Son, Jesus. The Holy Spirit is going to overpower you. And he also said, and your cousin, Elizabeth, who Zacharias had put away, you know, kind of, to not put her, put her out, but she was secluded. He said, and your cousin, he told Mary, is six months with a child. So Mary visited her. Zacharias and Elizabeth, upon hearing Mary's greeting, the baby leaped in the womb, it tells us, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit, just as Gabriel said she would be. Isn't that amazing? Elizabeth cried out, Blessed are among women, and blessed in the, is the fruit of your womb. That's what she said to Mary. Her cousin did. Well, John was born, it tells us in Luke 1.56. And Elizabeth gave birth just as it happened on the eighth day, and he was circumcised. And they expected him to be called Zacharias, as we talked about. But that's not what they named him. They named him John. People recognized that God's hand was on this child, and they wondered what he would turn out to be. Zechariah prophesied with joy the purpose of John preparing the Most High, the guide to our feet in the way of peace, he said. To give people the knowledge of salvation. That's what John's purpose was. That's what Zacharias was telling him. Well, we know John the Baptist lived boldly. He had taken a Nazarite vow, and he boldly preached repentance to all, and he wasn't afraid of anything. He even preached it to King Herod, and he said, What you have done with your brother Philip's wife is wrong. And it cost John his life. But that was John's purpose. He did exactly what God had prepared him to do. Well, let's move on and talk about Jesus' birth. The most significant one of all. And again, as we're hearing and learning of these births, how from slavery, Jesus is now here to free us from the slavery of sin. Jesus' story is also of his birth, as we talked about. It wasn't what we would say is, well, that's the way you should do it, right? We have Mary, um, an unmarried virgin, conceived by the Holy Spirit, was pregnant. Now, the account of Jesus' birth is found in Matthew chapter 1 and tells us that Joseph, whom betrothed Mary, was a righteous man, and not wanting to disgrace her, he planned to send her away secretly. You know, whether that was to be, a, you know, a, give her a certificate of divorce, we, we don't know. But an angel appeared to Joseph in a dream. He said, do not be afraid. The son which Mary has conceived is by the Holy Spirit, and you should call him Jesus, that is, God saves and he will save the people from their sins. That's what Gabriel, the angel, told Joseph. That'd be a lot to take for a betrothed young man. 
But God had His purposes. Just as spoken by the prophet Isaiah in 7.14, it says, Therefore the Lord Himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin will be with child and bear a son, and she will call His name Emmanuel. That is, God is with us. Jesus is God of salvation. Christ is anointed Son of God. Emmanuel is... He is God, and He's not just God. He is God and God with us. God, fully man, coming to this earth in the form of a baby Jesus. Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of King Herod. And as we know the story, a census was taken, causing them to have to to leave and go to have the census taken. And Mary was with child, and they didn't have a place. There was no room at the inn, it tells us in Luke. And so Jesus was born in a manger. Now the Magi from the west, from the east, arrived in Jerusalem saying, Where is he who is born King of the Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Well, this of course troubled King Herod. So upon learning that this was prophesied, that a ruler would be born whom will shepherd my people Israel, he instructed the Magi to return to him and advise him that where he could too go and worship this baby, Jesus. Well, the Magi went their way until until it came and stood in over the place where the child was. And they rejoiced exceedingly over what they saw. So upon seeing Mary with this child, they fell to the ground and worshipped him. They presented their gifts of gold and frankincense and myrrh. And then they were warned in a dream by God not to return to Herod. So they left their country and they went another way. You know, we too are thankful that God sent His only begotten Son to this earth that He created to save us from our sins. It goes to show that regardless of the situations that God gives us children, you know, He gave us these examples, I believe, that says, hey, I can do anything. You know, He does some amazing things in these stories and it could have been, you know, I think He had a purpose for that. These male children are born, some very old and barren, some very young and unmarried. God can work through His people, these people who had a heart for the Lord. You know, our own children have significance in our own earthly families, and we can see the eternal significance of these stories in God's family. His words are filled with examples that give us hope in extremely difficult situations and circumstances. You know, we recall that Cain was the first male born of God's created. He murdered. Isaac, Abraham's second child, was that of the promise. Moses freed the people from slavery of Egypt and delivered them God's law to teach them sin. John the Baptist, his purpose was to prepare the way for Christ. 
And Jesus, which is God in the flesh, born of the Holy Spirit, He came to save us from our sins. To give us eternal life through His resurrection. I'd say our birth stories, like those in here, and those of our own families, weave together a beautiful tapestry of God's love and grace. Even when our stories get messy, scandalous sometimes. All these stories of our birth, it is our second birth that Jesus told Nicodemus about. In John chapter 3, he says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Jesus goes on to Nicodemus and says, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. And that which is born of the Spirit is spirit. Do not be amazed that I said to this, this to you. You must be born again. We've talked a lot about birth today. And it is this born again that is the most significant. It's kind of like we think sometimes of our lives prior to dedicating ourselves to Christ and being buried with Him in baptism. It's like these messy birds of all the scandal, all the drama, all the things that we say, oh, just, you know, I was a heathen before I came to the Lord. Like those birds that were examples. That may be our story. That before our rebirth, it doesn't matter. It's what matters going forward. Romans 6.4 tells us, Therefore, we have been buried with Him through baptism into His death, so that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. That's my message for you today. It's this time of year we, as I said, are particularly thinking about the birth of Christ. And these births that have been recorded for us, I think paint that picture of where we need to be. You know, we didn't control our first birth but we seek God for our second birth. So if you haven't been baptized, haven't died to yourself, been baptized into Jesus' death, to be raised anew with Him, uh, today would be a wonderful day to do that. So Jason's going to have a song for us. What did you come up with, Jason? We hope you have enjoyed this message recorded at Highway 71, Church of Christ. If you have questions concerning this message or would like to set up a study, please call 479-647-2658. May God bless you.